This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to a happy new year edition of Talking Dirty over at East Ruston Old Vicarage in a rather marvellous sort of lemony limey chartreuse sweater that I am having some sweater FOMO about is Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. And on this lovely sunny morning, squirrelled away in Cambridgeshire, beaming and blooming, more of that later, we have Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson. How are you? I am very, very well. We've had a wonderful Christmas over here, wonderful gifts and food and merriment. And I suppose I should get the, the announcement out of the way. People have probably seen on my Instagram over at Thunder Fairy that there is a reason we were making the most of our adult sort of Christmas because next year it's going to be rather more chaotic. Should I stand up? I've been hiding this. Yeah, good for, idea. I've been hiding it for, <laughs> for some time. But if you're listening to the audio version, my stomach is rather rounder than it once was. And it's quite round anyway, to be honest. <laughs> But now it's round because there is a tight human in there. Judging from what you said, I mean, we've got a very busy little person in there. Very busy. And this <laughs> is going to be a very active undergardener. That is the hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get them digging, sowing, everything. So just you wait. <laughs> yeah, they might end up hating gardening, but we'll we'll try our best to get them early on. We don't know whether it's a boy or a girl. So watch this space sometime in March. All will be revealed and we'll keep the podcast going as long as possible. And then I'll have a little gap while I figure out how to parent, how to raise a small person. <laughs> and then we'll be back. So that's the actually, actually uh, you know, I, a silly thing to say, probably, but it must be very daunting. The closer it gets, it must be quite daunting, really. Yeah, it's it's bizarre because obviously there's, a, you know, there's quite a present thing, both physically and in all the yeah. kids going on in my body. And yeah. yeah, I still can't believe it's real that there is this person that's going to arrive that I haven't yeah. met yet. And and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm sure that's how every first time parent <laughs> feels. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting adventure, but I'm glad to glad to share it. Finally. Well, to promote your mummy, I think you will be a lovely mummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I hope so. I think I think it's going to have a worrying mummy, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and keep that in check. That's parenthood for you. Now, it has been a lovely Christmas. Uh, we have lots of lovely gifts. I must say thank you very much for this <laughs> rather marvellous crocodile-like uh, houseplant. Actually, there's a dust coming off it. Houseplant accessory. This, if you watch the Dan Cooper Christmas special, is the houseplant cleaning brush. So you run it over the leaves of lovely things like this plant behind me. And... Um, the best thing about this is the other half loves it, quite likes cleaning. So he actually has used it more than I have since you bought it for me, Alan. But thank you very oh, there much. You go, see? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that people look at and think, what the heck is that? <laughs> I think I'm going to have some it, you know, baby. This is like some sort of big chomping set of teeth. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you think is everything you didn't know you couldn't live without. Well, you can't live without that once you've had it because, you know, it's absolutely superb for leaves. And I mean... Dear old Dan Cooper, or young Dan Cooper, um, you know, we did lots of things with him this this um, 
this Christmas, including Christmas decorations, of course, which I know you did as well. Mm. Um, and so he had, I think my favourite probably was the greenhouse, which he gifted me when he came uh, to the plant fair, which I thought was very kind of him. But it inspired me to go back and buy a Brussels sprout and a pea pod with peas in it, um, a pair of Wellington boots, a pair of secateurs. Um, you know, Wellington all these boots are marvellous as well. Yeah. But like they, they're all sort of garden inspired, which I think is rather lovely. And we, we have a separate little tree in our morning room, which is down now, because although I love Christmas, and I love the idea of decorating for Christmas. The moment December is gone, I want Christmas gone as well, <laughs> because somehow or other I'm looking forward. You know, it's it's that the new year, the new me, the new this. And as if you especially if you've been feeling a little bit under the weather over Christmas mm. and I had. I'm afraid Graham and I both had whatever kind of lurgy it was. Um, I think it was more flu than anything else. Um, you can probably hear it's still a bit on the edge, um, but it is gone. I'm feeling much more bouncy than I was three days ago. So that's something. Um, yeah. You've been very bouncy. I, I would have thought, I, I hope you didn't lose your ability to smell over your lurgy because just before Christmas, talking of Dan, he sent us these beautiful scented narcissi from the Isles of Scilly which was such an unexpected treat. And they just filled my tiny house with their scent. I'd come down in the morning and the whole downstairs was just uh, sort of sparkling the air almost like to your yeah, nostrils yeah. with this wonderful, unmistakable scent. Well, there were two things I did with mine. I, I, I had a small vase full of them and nothing else and just some green ivy leaves um, in the back hall, which meant every time we came through the back hall, you whiff, you know, the waft was lovely. And then very kindly Gilbert, who used to work for us years ago, he's long retired now. Um, he always drops by at Christmas time with a few goodies that his wife, ja jo jo Joan, makes. Um, and he always puts a, a bunch of chrysanthemums in, which he'd managed to do this year again. So I had yellow chrysanthemums and the, and the yellow and gold narcissus together. Um, and I picked some leaves from um, a, a, an heirum called Miss Janie Hall, which has green and gold variegated leaves. And they went round like a collar. It looked absolutely lovely. Oh, how beautiful. So thank you very much, Dan. We really, really enjoyed your gift. Um, Alan is also one of the hardest people in the world to buy for. Uh, well, yeah, you, you see, you did me a pocketbook of herbs. Look, you wouldn't believe how useful that is because I've been thinking for a long time that well, there, there's the, what was the red and purple border, which is outside the orangery, the back of the house near our kitchen. And I've long been thinking of how and where I can grow herbs, culinary herbs. And in particular, I wanted to grow, I have two very tall chimney pots. They're as tall as me. Um, and I wanted to grow a rosemary that I've seen um, in, in Cornwall, I think it was, many years ago. And it was growing at the top of a retaining wall and it just hung down just like tears, cat's tails. And it was so gorgeous. Um, and I look in Jekka's herb book here, and Jekka is, is famous for her herbs, and as we all know. And there is a rosemary there, which is called Seven Seas, which she says is the, the, one, the one that I need, I think. There may be others out there that I don't know of, um, but that's the one I'm going to go for. And I've decided not to use the chimney pots because the dilemma comes when you have too many of one thing kind of thing, I think. And if I've got chimney pots, I've got to then think out where I put them. Do I sink them in the ground? Do I cement them into the ground? What do I do with them? Where do I put them? And I suddenly thought, well, you know, with a little bit of forethought, I've got two large pots outside the orangery. They could have the weeping rosemary in them. They could then have a selection of pelagoniums, scented leaf pelagoniums. 
um, and anything else I like to put in them, perhaps some sage or something like that as well. Um, and the, my my tiered shelves between the two pots, they could contain my culinary herbs, again, with a few pelagoniums. So, you know, I now have a, I wouldn't say a herb garden um, <laughs> per se, but um, I have my culinary herbs close at hand, exactly where I need them, when I just dash through there, to, from the kitchen through there, and, you know, I've got them. So problem solved. Ideas are forming. That was all it was, that little book, just to give you the odd bit of inspiration or remind you of a, of a variety you'd forgotten or something. It's, like it's amazing how important that inspiration is because, you know, you only get it because if, if you're reading things, I mean, like reading a magazine article or reading a book or whatever, um, suddenly something will click in your mind and you'll think, hey, I could do so-and-so. You know, so you put a new twist on that idea. And that book inspired me to do what I'm just just told you. So thank yeah. you. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad at least one of my funny little gifts could be useful. <laughs> <laughs> he is very hard to buy for, as I'm sure you can well imagine. <laughs> um, the uh, the Christmas time itself, obviously, you were a bit laid up feeling ill. You normally do a Christmas flower count. Mm. Before Christmas, certainly here in Cambridgeshire, it was like Siberia or something. And you got quite a lot of that as well over on the East Coast, perhaps tempered because it always tends to be where you are. It's something we'll talk about more in the next episode, I think, because we recorded yeah. that when we were right in the midst of this awful, horrible sort of 10 day extended freeze. Um, but did you have anything to see on Christmas Day? Uh, what recurrent? Um, not what very we... much, actually. Not very much. I mean, my flower count on Christmas Day is usually way over 100. Um, in spite of the fact that we always try and get ahead by cutting lots of things back. But there are a few amazing things, I think. Um, one was that I found uh, as a shrub called Raphiolepis. It's an evergreen shrub, and it has little sort of flowers, either pale pink or white, in bunches. Normally it blooms about April and May. Um, it has a bunch of flowers on it, which is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I was looking at, I mean, there were no roses this year. They'd all been frosted. We had minus four in the garden here, which is unprecedented for us. Um, that is very low indeed. And in fact, I did fear for some of the tree ferns. And although some of the fronds are scorched on the top, we didn't tie them up or anything. Um, they, they are, they're absolutely fine. Of course, there could well yet be a few deaths because of this, because, you know, sometimes a plant doesn't show the fact that it's been affected badly. It's only when it gets a month or two on from the frost that suddenly you realise, well, that's not looking as good as it should. And it's been such a stressful year. So many of these plants have already gone through an extreme drought and then they've had this big freeze. And certainly here it has rained so yeah. consistently since then. So whether or not some you of know, them just... You know, a, a good summer, a hot summer, preceding a period of cold is a good thing because... Hot sun ripens wood, and if the wood has ripened, it's more much more likely to stand up to hard frost than if it's not. So a hot, uh, you know, a hot summer, the hot summer that we had, will have done some good in that respect. You've just given me some hope, but I think I've probably lost quite a few things, not least my aeoniums. I tried so hard to give them shelter. Mm. I put them under cover. I doubly fleeced them, but. I had no room. I have nowhere, <laughs> especially the well, house full our, of baby I, stuff. <laughs> I put, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I put uh, uh, aeoniums and echeverias and things like that and cacti in an unheated greenhouse that we grow tomatoes and chilies in in the summer. And I said it's unheated and it really is unheated. And one or two of the echeverias have got some frost damage on them. I think they'll survive. 
Um, lots of the plants, like cacti and, and things like that, they seem okay. Mm. But that's one of the plants that you often don't know. It's gonna, it's dying until it, it kind of rots from the inside out almost, you know, and it, it suddenly starts to shrink like a deflated balloon and you think, oh, yeah, we've had it there. Um, so we'll see, but I mean, you know. And I, I didn't want to go around protecting things. And I was sort of trying to take this approach with my garden, particularly as we've had several mild winters that I'd grow things that might not survive a hard winter and just hope we didn't have one. Um, obviously, we then have had this cold period. My fuchsia procumbens, I'm fairly certain, is gone. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> doesn't look happy. My euphorbia mellifera, I don't know if it's going to pull through, but it looks very sad at the minute and I'll be close to devastated if I lose that because it's such a focal point in my garden but I don't I don't know maybe it's going to be okay I've never had one through a, a hard cold Look, I know these losses are hard to bear but I think you know to, to to kind of solve the feeling of loss I think that you have to have um, an outlook that is quite philosophical about it um, and you know should your beloved mellifera expire well then you'll either you'll do one or two things you'll replace it or you'll think to yourself, I'm not going to replace that because it died. I'll have something else. I think I think it would be a good spot for a tree. So I think I will see it as an opportunity to put a tree in that corner yeah. of the garden. So it is hopeful, you know, if it dies, but I still yeah. love it. <laughs> so I don't want it to die. And then Podophyllum spotty dotty, I'm just going to set up a little like vigil by it and pray over it because it's in a container. So I worry that it was just too, like the roots were too cold. Yeah. Um, yeah which is sad because it was really starting to get a bit bigger and look lovely. So never mind. There's lots of plants. I mean, we've got this, we've got this lovely blue fern, which is called Phlebodium something or other. Um, and I've had it outside now for, for years. It shouldn't be outside. I know. I mean, it's re really quite tender, but, and it has these lovely sort of creeping feet um, that are like hairy paws and they sort of march over the top of the soil. Well, I went and looked at them and every gray, Glaucus grey blue frond was brown, um, and I thought, oh well, that's they're dead. But the front, the the feet and the crowns are quite firm, so I'm hoping that there is just you know superficial damage, shall we yeah. say, and they will they will come again. But who knows? We'll have to see. I'm so glad that this was the year I got into ferns because lots of those are actually looking really good in the garden. Yeah. And I was worried um, when I bought Coniogramma emiensis, that wonderful mm. variegated fern, that it wouldn't be hardy. Everybody. On Instagram said it's fine it's growing here in Glasgow it's doing wonderfully well so I, I had it but it is in a container seems to be doing fabulously so fingers yeah. crossed that really is as hardy as people had said and then there are other things around the garden my Erogrostus topmas burgundy is going all of these lovely ambery peachy shades and uh, lighting up my patio in the midst of death and destruction so there are positives in the garden <laughs> Exactly. There always are. I mean, this morning I looked out of my kitchen window and we've had this period of cold and there's been very little colour in the garden. And there's quite a big um, camellia um, underneath the trees outside my kitchen window. And this morning I looked and there were six flowers open on it. And that's because we've had three, three very mild days. You know, we're 14, 15 degrees here in the day. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Yeah. The day is not so not so warm. It's probably what does it say on my computer? I'll tell you, it's five degrees. <laughs> so it's not so warm today but you know six blooms on a camellia and i just it lifts the heart um now if we get some hard frost again of course they'll die but the great thing is about lots of winter flowering plants is that they don't open all their flowers together so if they open a few and then they get frosted then we get good weather again they'll open a few more 
and so on and so forth. So that happens. So it's, you know, not all is lost. And there's so much excitement ahead, uh, not just in my belly. Uh, that's very exciting. <laughs> but uh, I've been peering at the new raised bed that I built last spring. And I was very worried about my snowdrops because of the drought. And I tried to keep the raised bed moist, but it just kept drying out. But lots of them, I haven't necessarily seen all of them, but lots of them are coming back. Yep. And um, I'm just chuffed to bits that I might actually have a little bit of a snowdrop collection coming back this year. And I planted the ferns and arums and things around them. So hopefully that should be um, that should be really exciting. And also I treated myself this year to some Harvington plug hellebores so the little baby hellebores they send out and I don't actually know I've never grown them from that small before I don't know how long they will take to show their colours but I do have a, a lovely selection of a, a double green speckled a single yellow with gold nectaries a single smoky blue and a single yellow with a dark eye which I'm very excited about um, so I can't wait to see those and a couple of erythroniums as well from Harvington so well, one thing about one thing about Harvingtons is, first of all, I love their packaging. Um, it's all string and brown paper, and it's absolutely <laughs> lovely, isn't it? Um, and secondly, the hellebores that are sent out um, are just itching to grow. It's not like something that's been kept in a pot probably a little bit too long and got pot banned. I mean, they're just itching to grow, and it's. I think that is one of the best ways of buying hellebores. Um, and I sat and did a list the other day from them, actually, <laughs> and pretty much all the things that you just said. It's crazy, isn't it? That was on the days when I started to feel better. <laughs> well, there's a nice thing. If you are feeling grim or the weather is grim, this is such an exciting time to look through seed lists and figure out what you may or may not be able to grow this year. We'll come on to that with our, our FLOMO. <laughs> Yeah, and particularly because I've got this quarter plot, my new little allotment, which is obviously quite hard work, considering that I'm just get bigger and bigger and less able to do anything. But still, I'm going to try and be realistic and probably not grow too much from seed this year. She says, having already built up quite a list of things I want to buy from, to grow from seed. So we'll see. You know, how... what you, know, you know what you need to do. And if I'd thought of this, we could have done something for Christmas, couldn't we? But maybe we'll have to sort of think about um, early birthday presents or something like that. But I mean, if you're finding it difficult to bend, I mean, you need long handled tools. Like, um, <laughs> you know, you really do. I mean, it is it is an actual fact. It does work, you know, like a um, well, hose and generally long handled anyway. But I mean, a, like a, a little gardening fork on the end or one of the most simple tools that I have on a long um, is is what I call a spud. My grandfather had one. It's called a spud. It's like a miniature, miniature spade blade on the end. He used to have it on the end of his walking stick. And if he, you know, he could sort of dig it underneath the dandelion, cut the taproot dandelion gone, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's it, you know, just yeah, there's there are ways. Yeah, baby agrees. I just got a like an, a reinforcing kick over here on the right. So <laughs> <laughs> endorsement from from baby. Um, I am excited for the allotment. I really need to sit down now and be sensible about how I use my little quarter plot and uh, and what I do with it. What about you for twenty twenty three? What are you excited for? Well, we had um, a major event in that we moved the so-called Matterhorn. Um, but, you know, I didn't realise just how much soil there was there. And um, we haven't quite moved at all, but the Johnny came in with his his mini digger and we had two guys with dumper trucks and they had to put things over the, you know, um, tracks right over the grass so it didn't spoil it too much. 
Um, even so, there's devastation thought. As you know, you, you think heavy machinery and gardens just don't go together. They really don't. Um, anyway, I mean, that will come good. I'm not worried about that. But the Matterhorn has allowed us to build, uh, to extend the desert wash in a way, um, into the cornfield with with bumps, buns, banks, whatever you like to call them, you know. Buns, um, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we really would. <laughs> <laughs> So I go up there and I think, yes, you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're trying to sort of um, get you lose the feel of the of the desert wash, if you like, and go mainly into sort of arid type planting. So it will be it will be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm you know I'm quite pleased with it, and uh, I love have I love to have a new project on the go. You see, that's that's the thing. Um, and, as and the, you don't end up neglecting everything else but well just tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the desert wash is graham's baby and all of those yeah. agaves and things are his foremost love apart from you and the <laughs> this new area is that something that he is allowing you to lead on is it very much a 50 50 it's kind of 50 50 i would say because um I wouldn't plant anything in that area and without consulting him. Um, you know, I wouldn't just go out there with a whole load of plants. Oh, yeah, well, I thought I'd put those in here because um, I don't think that that's fair and I wouldn't want him to do it in an area of the garden I was working on either. So, no, I would consult him about it. Um, and, you know, out of that consultation will come other ideas because, you know, you you will bounce off one another. So whatever he says to start with, I will say, yes, but if, yes, but what if, you know, and that kind of thing. And then you refine the idea. So you get at the end a better result, I think. Yeah. At well, least, you know, <laughs> yeah, life's know. a series of compromises, remember. <laughs> and the desert wash is just looking amazing. It's been looking well, amazing, more and more course, amazing. <laughs> the one thing, of course, in there that we did um, wrap were the flower heads on Agave Montana. Yes. Um, because, I mean, it, you've never seen anything quite so stupid in your life, really. But we have very long bamboo canes, one of us on each end. And we sort of hoisted a piece of fleece over and draped it delicately. And then we'd had to move around and drape another piece over the other way. And then a, another piece. And so it had four layers of fleece on it. I just hope that it will be or it's, you know, come through the, the cold weather and we'll be fine. But we shall see. I mean, it, you know. That would be devastating to to Graham, I think, if 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 it lost its flower buds, because that's what they are at the moment. Then the flower won't open until twenty. Well, it is twenty twenty three now, isn't it? <laughs> until, until probably June or July, maybe. Um, it will depend on on the warmth and the climate. Um, but you know, he would be devastated if we lost it. Me, nah. <laughs> Such a practice. I would, be dis- I would be disappointed, but I mean, I wouldn't let it ruin my day. I mean, I would just think, well, we've. Maybe next time so we have flaw, other... though, isn't it? The, the the one winter when you really could do with it being mild to get those, yeah. flowers, those flowers spiked through. Yes, but I, I can remember, I mean, if we go back to 2009-10, that was the, where we had the Beast from the East, was it, or something? No, it was after that. That yeah. was the last really cold winter, and we had minus two here. And I thought that was cold. Um, and a lot of it depends on how much wind you get. I mean, if you get a wind frost, at minus two, it can be worse than having minus four on the still night. So, you know, it's it doesn't necessarily mean you've got a low temperature, minus two or minus four, but if you've got wind with it as well, it'd be extra devastating. Yeah. So, I mean, our bananas are still standing, put it that way. 
Well, I didn't measure the temperature in my garden. I should have done. I was a bit frightened. But over at the Cambridge University Botanic Garden, which isn't all that far away, and hopefully in a very exposed area, but it was minus 15 at its lowest, yeah. which is a terrifyingly low temperature. Yes, it is. It is terrifyingly low cold. You're right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It didn't do that too much in my little sheltered garden. Um, so 2023, full of many exciting things, plants and otherwise. Um, I suppose we should fit in some Flomo before we wrap up this little sort of bonus first edition of the year. Uh, I have been trying so hard to not get sucked into seed lists and things. It isn't really working. With the quarter plot at the allotment, I figure I can get away with a few things. And I really want to do sweet peas well. I've I've had, you know, dalliances with sweet peas, but I don't have the place I want to put them in my garden, really. Whereas I can I've got, hopefully... <laughs> I've got a tale about sweet peas. <laughs> at the end of the season, September, Eric and Wendy, who have frequent uh, season ticket holders, frequent garden visitors. In fact, we have tea with them normally on a Friday afternoon. Um they came along and Eric handed me an envelope full of sweet pea seeds, masses of sweet pea seeds. And I was determined to plant some before um, Christmas in the autumn. And I didn't, needless to say. And then I suddenly thought, where did I put those sweet pea seeds? And I could remember thinking, now I've got to put them somewhere safe. <laughs> well, you know what's coming. And uh, I couldn't find them. And Eric said to me, if, you, if there's not enough there, you know, you, I've got loads more you can have. Anyway, I, I felt too shamefaced to go back and say to Eric, please, can I have some more? Um, so I kept stum. And I was clearing out um, one of the benches in the greenhouse on one of the days when, around Christmas time. And there was a <laughs> an envelope gradually falling to pieces. And all these little seedlings got <laughs> popped, you know, starting to grow on them. And I just thought, that's Eric's sweet peas. So I hastily potted some. Um, and I left them on a, on a, a, a trolley in the greenhouse, um, a metal trolley, and I thought they'll be safe there for the night. And overnight, mice descended. Yeah, not all was lost. So we did something about it. I won't go into what we did. Um, shall we say the mice are residing far away now? <laughs> <of them. laughs> they went for a, um, a serious car journey. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that was my story with the sweet pea seeds. So hopefully I will have some sweet pea seeds, some sweet peas from Eric's um, bounteous collection. But I'm afraid the, the mice did get some of them. Yeah, I had similarly meant to plant some earlier and I, I very rarely remember to do that. I think one year I did, just that one. one well, I, you know, sweet peas are a funny thing, aren't they, really? Um, it depends how, it depends what's, you know, what you like. Um, I know that um, Libby Ellis, um, she uh, she lives in North North and has a wonderful garden with her husband Robin, and they they always uh, Libby always tries to have sweet peas in flower for the Chelsea Flower Show, which is around about May May the twentieth. And I mean, she goes to hell and high water to get a bunch of sweet peas in the house for the Chelsea Flower Show that she's grown, um, even growing them in tunnels and things like that. But I think that probably. If you sow your sweet peas in the autumn, you probably get them a fortnight earlier, maybe. That's probably all there is in it. And when you, you know, two weeks out of 52, does it matter? <laughs> However, having said that, I don't think summer's arrived until I pick my first bunch of sweet peas. No. That scent is just so evocative of summer for me. And I saw a, um, a Lathyrus odoratus juliet, which is supposed to have this heady citrus scent, which is sort of 
not probably quite unparalleled, but it's certainly up there with the best. And it's very unlike me, Juliet. It's a creamy ivory thing. It does have an apricotty blush to the petals. But I thought it would be a really great accompaniment to other things that I picked from the um, from the allotment and other sweet peas. I have lots of pea seeds, which are either collected from my garden or, you know, they're very bright and brash or purples and oranges and things because that's what I like. And I thought maybe actually a really scented ivory kind of coloured sweet pea would be a good accompaniment to those. Whether or not I then have to go and get Romeo, I don't know. To, to grow the pear um so that was something and I really want to have a nice collection of sunflowers and I've got quite a few sunflower seeds already from previous dalliances of sunflowers that I can put at the allotment but I saw new on the Chiltern list this year one called gummy bear and I do love a double sunflower I'll have plenty of singles I'm sure but I love a multi-headed sunflower and I love a double and this is a very double pale lemon yellow with branching stems to about four feet which just looked extremely enticing and very cuddly. I can understand your fascination with sunflowers, and I think it's lovely. Um, but there is a lovely sweet pea called Prince of Orange, which you, you would love, I think. That does sound right up my street. <laughs> yeah. And there is another one, which I can't remember the name of, but it's an old-fashioned variety. And if you go to, if you if you look on somebody, I mean, Chilton Seeds normally have it, but... Roger Parsons Sweet Peas. I mean, if you go on his site, he will have it. Um, and I remember going to, it was October the 4th. Uh, it's etched on my memory. We were at the Great Dixter Flower Show. And before we went to, uh, the day before, we went to Sissinghurst. And in the cottage garden of Sissinghurst, I, I had this aroma. And I thought, sweet peas, right? This is October, what's going on? I rounded the corner and there was an obelisk completely covered in this orange sweet pea. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's an old-fashioned variety. And I, I couldn't, there wasn't anybody to ask or anything. I don't know when they sowed that seed, but it occurred to me that that seed could probably have been sown as late as May. So that's an experiment. That's sort of a, a kind of flomo experiment that I'd like to do this year. I have tried it before and it didn't work. <laughs> um, well, I think I left it too late. I tried to sow in June and I think that really was too late. So I think I might try um, that uh, doing that for, for May. Um but another old-fashioned variety that is very highly scented, of course, is Machucana. Yes. Which is the two 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 tones of purple, which looks stunning with the orange as well. Oh. You're giving me you're giving me all kinds of ideas for the allotment, <laughs> Alan. You may not buy more seeds. <laughs> um and then, try and stop myself. <laughs> and then you see, I Graham and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about the new banks on the um edge of the cornfield, between the cornfield and the desert. Um, and I said, you know, the thing is, the desert, he said, well, the de the cornfield, I mean, the cornfield's going to be late this year because we, we're not going to get round to cultivating it until late. And when I say late, it could be April or even May. Um, many people will think, well, you, you know, what's going on? You're far too late. Um, but we'll see. But I did have the inspiration of growing some sunflowers in the cornfield. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, because I thought, well, you know, not great the great tall ones, the giant Russian one or anything like that. But some of the lower ones, I, I thought if you could do bold groups of sunflowers, I just thought mm, that would keep the show going longer and it would be something for people to look at. And the other thing I suddenly thought was, of course, if you sow them at different times, you could have a longer period of sunflowers. Yes. So they're, they're all ideas at the moment, but we'll see. But, I mean, I wouldn't go to um, Chilton Seeds for things like that, I would go to mole seed because mole seed you can buy by weight. 
which is much more um if you know if you want a, a large quantity of seed it's much more um economic to do it that way and i've done the same with um Facelia tenacetifolium you'll get giant packets of that um and don't forget this is to everybody that's listening and, and watching but Facelia tenacetifolium is normally sold as a green manure and it's got a very pretty sort of filigree green foliage but if you leave it until the flowers open they're like fluffy bluey mauve caterpillars and we will always know when you're near a patch even if you don't see them because you'll hear the hum of the bees. They are absolutely covered with bees. So it's just a wonderful thing. It's a good enough plant to go in the flower garden. It doesn't look at all weedy. Um, and I just think that, you know, everybody should do their little bit for, to help the insect world. And that's going to be my push for this year. And that's Facelia tenacetifolium. That's a great one. Yeah, I definitely should grow that again. I haven't had it for a few years. Actually, I haven't had it in this garden. I've only had it at my mum's garden. So yeah. a, a timely reminder. As well, I the other thing around. is, of course, once you get it, you're liable to find self-sown seedlings because it does, not nuisance, but, you know, enough to, to provide you with, uh, you know, future years, if you like. And isn't future that generations. the exciting thing about a new year is that you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the weather is going to throw at you. You don't know what seedlings are going to turn up. Um, no. Very exciting. That's always, I think, my favourite thing about gardening, seeing what what's going to happen. What's Mother Nature going to do? Well, exactly. And Mother Nature's done some hairy things with our echiums, echium pinanana, of course. Um, they have suffered quite badly, but I think that lots of them may recover. And of course, if they've been, if the frost has got into the crown, it may distort the way the crown grows. So it could even, you get split flower stems instead of the one big one and stuff like that can happen. So, you know, we'll see. It's all interesting. It's yeah. all, uh, you know, another page in the book of life. <laughs> watch this space we will of course be along to cover whatever is happening in the world and talk about the plants that are flourishing the plants that maybe aren't flourishing apart from that little brief break probably around march but you know we'll see we'll see what the year has in store. Well, one one little piece of optimism i can give you is i'd sown some honesty seeds corfu blue and i i sown i i sowed them in the greenhouse in trays i took one tray and i pricked them all out and I left them out on the first night of that hard frost. And bearing in mind, they come out of a greenhouse. And I went up the next morning and I looked at them. They all laid there on the sides looking. And I thought, well, that, I better get rid of those and redo the pots with another lot. Um, I didn't. The next morning, you know, later on that day, they'd popped up. They're still there. They're still outside. And they're looking fantastic. So, I mean, they weren't hardened off. And suddenly they got hit by a hard frost. Gosh, what a tough little blighter that one is. <laughs> That's worth knowing. It's a thing mm. about gardening, you live and learn. Um, I just realised that um, we are only like a month away from your snowdrop day and we always forget I to know. these sorts of things. <laughs> um, can you remember the date of it? Yes, it's Sunday, February the 5th, 10am. Well, I'll try and be there. If you see a big person waddling around, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be running behind with a collapsible stool if she needs one. <laughs> <laughs> Better be a big stool. <laughs> A bit strong one, don't worry. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for this first little foray into the world of plants for 2023. There'll be many more of them. But until next time, happy gardening. Happy gardening, everybody. Nice to see you. Hey, 4Ds here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week and as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. 
If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.